0: The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. I was a wrestler um, from 7th to 9th grade in junior high. (laughs) And... I don't know how this how this is going to come out, but uh, it was definitely uh, something that I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but what I soon came to find about wrestling was that it was certainly just as awkward to look at on the mat as it was off the mat. Um, and I'll just give you a little bit of an example of this. I uh, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing to admit for most wrestlers out there in junior high, um, but you know you wear these really tight singlets. And um, you know, seventh to ninth graders, you know, you're still kind of hitting that stage where you know maybe hitting puberty, may not be hitting puberty. And guys are just as self-conscious as girls uh, during this age, at least from what I found. And and so there were guys um, in the locker room that before a match would tend to enhance themselves um, <laughs> before a match. Um, you know, so whenever you saw a, a pair of rolled-up socks next to some guy that already had socks on. Um, it was really awkward and, and, and it, in the same way it was awkward on the mat um, and I never fully understood the sport my first year in 7th grade um, and I wasn't very good at all either um, 95 pounds on the 7th grade uh, varsity uh, I lost all my matches uh, I got pinned the first 5 times I went out uh, and proceeded to lose the rest of them that year, but I had a coach his name was Coach Couch uh, <laughs> Probably the worst name for a coach ever. Uh, All made me do was want to be lazy. But um, he he was a coach um, that really pushed me, um, despite what his name was. Uh, He was a coach that um, really got in with me. He taught me uh, some basic moves, um, and he really forced me uh, to push myself as, as a wrestler. And so my seventh grade year, I would call it a rebuilding year. Um, and then my eighth grade year, I came back uh, and, and was really well conditioned and learned a few more moves. And uh, through the guidance of my coach, I ended up uh, going undefeated and uh, winning the, our district championship for uh, my weight class at 105. Gosh, I weigh a lot more than that now. But um, but I ended up winning this. And, and I can only attribute it to this great confidence um, and, and even a hope that my coach gave me um, for the time that he spent with me. Uh, from the time that he encouraged me. In kind of a, a crazy way, he made it so that uh, when he was talking to me and he was teaching me, that he made me a better wrestler. And so going into my ninth grade year, um, I found it quite a shock uh, when he got fired uh, right before the wrestling season started. Uh, I'm not going to get into too many specifics. It was uh, an unfortunate incident. And so he ended up getting let go. And with that, uh, every, all the confidence that I had built up until that point was gone. Uh and so I ended up quitting the wrestling team before my ninth grade year. Uh and a lot of people didn't understand the the reason for it and I didn't really have a good reason at the time, um, other than I just didn't have this confidence that I used to have. Um, you know, he made me a better wrestler. And so, uh, you know, halfway through the year, um, you know, I was having friends, um, you know, even teammates, administration of the school were telling me, Why aren't you playing? Like you need to you need to wrestle. You know, you need to be out there and I'm sitting there like, oh, I don't want to wrestle. I, I, I don't have that confidence. And eventually somebody told me, well, you should come back on the team for leadership purposes. And I was like, leadership purposes? I just quit. Um, <laughs> what kind of a leader would I be? Um, but I ended up joining anyway for the leadership purposes. And, uh, um, and ended up uh, wrestling for the last third of the year uh, on the JV squ- sorry, JV squad. And I ended up getting into the district tournament that year um, as the eighth seed. So there were eight um, eight uh, wrestlers in each uh, weight class, and I was the eighth one, which meant that in the tournament, I wrestled the number one seed, which was unfortunate for me because not only was he the number one seed, he was probably the best pound-for-pound wrestler in the tournament. Uh, he had pinned every single opponent he had wrestled from his seventh grade year until his ninth grade year at this point, and I'm like, okay, I'm out of shape, I... I have no confidence, I am going to get killed. So, um, I was hoping my mat would be the furthest one away from the grandstand or the um, bleachers, but it was actually the closest one, so I couldn't hide. And um, going into the match, uh, the first round, uh, he was just, he was killing me. I was down 8-0. Um, and then the second round just got started, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm going to give up. I'm done. I'm just going to lay on my back. I'm a perpetual quitter. Uh, Laughter Take me now, Jesus, I'm done. Um, And so I ended up hearing, and hearing from the stands, uh, a voice that sounded very familiar. He was in the front row, and if you ever knew, um, or if you ever heard my coach, or my coach couch, uh, talk, he had this really high-pitched voice. And so it's very distinguishable, and so he's like, these And I'm sitting there like, please don't say my name out loud like that. Everybody can hear. It. Um, that was my first thought. But my second thought was this. I have somebody in the front row, somebody that has encouraged me and supported me throughout my entire wrestling career. And, and, and I felt empowered. I felt encouraged. Um, th- th- there was a part of me in hearing him say that. Saying, I'm not gonna get pinned. And, and, and I can last this. I can outlast this. And, and truth be told, uh, I actually, um, gained a little, um, strength. And I didn't win the match. I lost like 13 to 0, whatever it was. <laughs> but I did not get pinned. And that empowerment, that, that, um, that something extra that my coach gave me, is one of the main reasons why I love being the mission coordinator here at University Ministries. See, I get the, the privilege to put together mission trips for college students such as yourselves. And, and I get to see a process. I get to see something where a student signs up for a trip. Some of them, like deputation, not knowing what the heck they're signing up for. They don't know where they're going. They don't know who they're going with. But you get to see students live out god's will for them they make a choice to live by the will of god and you get to see students answer the call to missions that god so blatantly gives us in scripture and so tonight we are going to take a look at what that looks like for our lives and and what role god could play within that before we do that let's pray Uh, father we thank you so much for this time i it's such a blessing to be a part of this ministry, a ministry that uh, that gives college students the opportunity to, to go and serve uh, and, and be a light to your kingdom around the world. We pray tonight that you would um, that you would reveal yourself to these students, that you would soften their hearts, um, allow them to, to envision what what life with you at the center can do um, when they just put their faith and trust in you. Um, in pursuing missions. Uh, We love you. We thank you for this time. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So it's kind of funny. I feel like I stumbled into this job in some ways. Uh, I ended up uh, going on the DR Spring Break mission trip, my first mission trip I ever went on, um, my junior year. And it was a trip that I was anticipating because I didn't know anybody here at the inn and, well, I knew two people, the guy that invited me and his twin brother. Um, and I was definitely that guy at the inn where, you know, you kind of follow the only two people that you know, and you kind of sit on, outside the circle that they're in, and you're like, hey. <laughs> okay, no? Okay, I'm just going to leave now. Okay, thank you. Um, I mean, it, so awkward. That was me. And, uh, and what the DR trip did for me, um, well, it did bring me out of my comfort zone a ton, a ton. Um, it provided me with a lot of community. Um, I was able to uh, go and be real uh, with 60 other students, um, and I'm not guaranteeing that this is going to happen for anyone that signs up for the Dominican Republic trip. But I was extremely blessed and ended up meeting three of my closest friends on that trip, um, and it was a really great experience, a first, a great first experience for me to to get a taste of of, of what being in a community looks like as opposed to just being in a place where you worship. Um, and then I went on deputation that, uh, next summer, uh, to, um, Malawi for two months. And, and that trip is a little different. Uh, while the DR trip was, uh, full of community and getting to know people and kind of seeing God's plan, uh, globally, the deputation experience was more of a personal growth. Uh, through that trip, I was able to understand, um, God's faithfulness, uh, how, how strong he can be when you rely on him, um, how much of a rock he has been, uh, in my life. And that foundation was set, um, and so as, as I'm coming to you tonight and talking to you about missions, uh, I want you guys to know that this is something that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, I've been able to live it out as a student and then come before you tonight as somebody on staff that gets to see each and every life change uh, through these experiences. And so uh, the first question I want to pose tonight is what do missions reveal about God and, and how do we fit into that plan according to Scripture? Um, and I want us to take a look at um, not just specific mission opportunities through the Bible. I mean, God calls a lot of people out and tells them what to do, and, and, and they believe in that. But what I want to focus on is, is what God is having us do in the midst of that, and why it's so important for him to know that we are called to missions, and what's the significance of that. Um, when we look at the story of the Bible, um, even in, in the first call of missions with Abraham, you know, in Genesis 12, you were called, you, God calls Abraham to be a blessing so that he can be a blessing to others. He gives Abraham that blessing. And that transcends over time. And you see Moses get that call from God. And Moses is unwilling to accept it. But you see God continue to tell Moses, no, this is for you. I'm going to give you everything you need and you're going to make it happen. And, God, and Moses accepts that call. He's allowed, or allowed, he's, He's given that power, much like my coach gave me, to become bigger than I could be on my or than Moses could be on his own. And so you get to slowly see God's plan develop. He, he puts people here and, and he and he creates opportunities for us to be with people because we are a broken world. You know, God hates seeing injustice. He hates seeing the fall of man. But we are all here. To glorify his kingdom. And we're here to we're here to bring harmony and peace um, to this world. You know, and the beautiful part about it is you get to see God's heart living out through mission. In the story of hope and belief, um, a lot of the things we'll be talking about tonight are rooted um, in Matthew 28 and um, the Great Commission. So we can take a look at that real quick. Um We can keep that up really quick. You see, God brought Jesus down here to dwell among us because He wanted there to be a connect between Himself and and, and us. And Jesus is that connect. Um, He's that connection that we have. Um, And within this call that we have, there's on on, uh, chapter or verse 19, it's go. There's a command in that. It's proactive. God wants us to go and, and, and do something. He wants us to, to be active in our faith. Um, he wants us to be active in mission. Um, now, one thing that I want to note about this text is that it's one of the last accounts that, um, that Jesus says in the, in the scripture. Um, it's one of the last ones where Jesus is um, talking to the people that he loves, his disciples, um, and I want you to think about this. Let's say that you died tomorrow. And and you had this great opportunity to, to come back to life for one day. What would you, when you came back to life, who would you talk to and, and what would you say? In this instance, after Jesus' resurrection, he talks to his disciples intentionally. And, and, and if you were to think about the things you were going to say, you'd want to tell them, Everything that you wanted them to know, and everything you wanted them to remember you by, and everything whenever you thought of, uh, whenever they thought of you, that's what you want them to know. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, "Go." These are one one of the last things he says to his disciples: "Go and make disciples of all nations." And so, okay, we have this idea of of going and being active. There's a call here for us to, to do something. But that can be a scary thing. You know, a lot of times we're, we're called to go out into the world, but it can be very lonely. You know, sometimes we don't feel empowered to go and do it. But this last line in the Great Commission tells us that. He says, he shows the comfort and says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God walks along inside this pro- alongside us in this process. He gives us that power, that encouragement, to do things apart from Him, we could not do on our own. But because we are with Him, because He walks alongside us in this call, we're able to do much greater things. Um, when I went um, to this aforementioned Dominican Republic trip uh, my junior year, I was feeling a little self-conscious myself. Uh, I-, I wanted to go down there and play baseball. Um, I-, I love the game, but uh, being with the kids was something that was a little tough for me. Uh, I don't speak much Spanish at all, uh, for some of you that have heard me speak, I suck, and uh, and that was something that I thought was going to be a big barrier for me when I was connecting with these students, or trying to. Um, the first day that we got into the Bates, I ended up uh, coming alongside this kid that reminded me exactly of myself at uh, the age of 10. Uh, he was disruptive, uh, he talked a lot, he was annoying. Um, <laughs> That was pretty much me in fourth grade, I'd say. Uh, and a little bit of an outcast. And, and so when, when I instantly saw him, I was drawn to him. And the thing was, like, I, I tried my best to get to know him. And so I, you know, started off, Me nombre es Nolan. Uh, tu nombre? And he's like... <laughs> he's like, uh, Yell. And I'm like, oh, bueno. Uh... <laughs> ¿Cuántos años tienes? Uh, nueve. I'm like, nueve? He's like, no. Nueve. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, wonderful. So he hated me right off the bat. And it was kind of one of those things where I, I felt instantly uncomfortable. And so I, I went... Um, I went back to the place where we were staying that night, and and I prayed to God, and and I told him that I just asked God to give me strength in this. I, I knew it was something my Spanish was not going to be able to connect with this kid. Um, I needed to be able to, um, I needed to be able to connect in another way, and, and I knew that I couldn't do that apart from God, and so, um, and so I asked for strength and encouragement, um, and so the next day I went into the bate and uh, brought a translator with me this time. And I found out that he liked baseball. And so um, I, I grabbed my mitt and a teammate's mitt, and we threw catch, uh, played catch, uh, for the rest of the week. Yeah, I'm a big baseball fan. Um, and we, we played catch uh, every single day uh, for the rest of that week. And we didn't say a ton to each other. Uh, but on Friday when we left the village, I could tell that he missed me. Uh, I could tell that, that there was a significant uh, connection that we had. And it, it was nothing that we had ever said to each other. Um, but at the root of it was was a, a sincere love um, that I know that God was a part of. There's no way that God could not have been there. And I could not have done that. I could not have, have put myself out there and continued to, to push this. I could have just as easily went to another kid. But only through God's power working in that was I able to come and, and be with Aniel and um, and show that love that we so desperately um, are trying to uh, give out? Um, and so tonight, um, as a community, um, you know, I look out into the crowd. I, I see a lot of former deputies, which is really encouraging to me. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, these are the people that, that I want us to be looking at tonight. Um, not only the people that um, have come up here before this community tonight and have shared what sites they're going to be going to and and how they've committed themselves to serving this summer, but the deputies that have gone through the process as well. Um, there's There's a lot of encouragement that we can take as a community for seeing people that have put their lives and their trust in God's plan. And I know that each of them would be able to tell you tonight, if they were up here, That is if they put their trust in God and they believe that to be true, then God is going to do a lot of really great things. And so the question I pose to you tonight is what kind of community do we want to be? Do we want to be a community that is proactive, that does things, that goes? Or do we want to be passive about it? I mean, do do we want to hear about an opportunity to go to alaska and we're like yeah that's something i could totally do and, and sign up for it or we're going to be like oh yeah i'll get on the interest list or just completely pass it off altogether you see god through the great commission throughout scripture is wanting us pleading with us to engage the community around us and it's not just something that's 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 overseas it's something that can be done right here in seattle but we have to seek it out and engage it. You know last week we uh, as a community had a great opportunity uh, to come alongside um human trafficking victims. Uh you know people that um have been exploited. Uh you know we had Tyler and Liz come up last week and and share about a challenge to uh to give up a beverage uh, for uh, the lent season. Uh, and all that money would go towards uh a group called Warren who comes alongside these trafficking victims uh, and and, and counsels them and and raises them up and makes them stronger. And one of the more disheartening things that I saw last week was I looked around after the end, after I saw a lot of people leave without this card. I'm like, why aren't more people taking these things? Why aren't more people responding to this call? You see, missions simply It's not just going out and serving, but it's being present where you are as well. When when God says you need to go and you need to do something, this is doing something. This is a prayer card. This is for Daniel. And I know that some of you may have gotten this card. But Daniel needs our prayers. Stephen needs our prayers. There's a lot of other people under the social justice table with this prayer card that need our prayers. They need our support. And this needs to be a community that understands and knows that those things are important. That it's not just about being with the the starving child in Africa that's so easy to, to get attached to. But it's also about helping Hurricane Katrina victims get back into homes so many of them are still in FEMA trailers. I feel like sometimes as a community... We can get desensitized to some of these things. You know, the, the media will will, will will put out images and, and then we get captivated by it, but then it goes away and we forget about it. And it, it might not be the, the, the sexiest thing, lack of a good, better word to use. It might not be the easiest thing to go and pull one of these cards down and pray every single night for this person. But God calls us to do that. God calls us as this community, as a community of believers, to go and do something. We need to be in prayer. We need to, we need to think about the marginalized. We need to be with these people. And it's not enough to just sit there and, and think nice thoughts and say, oh, I really wish I could help them today. That's not the call. The call isn't to just think, it's, it's to do it's to be with someone. It's to be in relationship. Like Vancey was talking about last week. And that would be Emily Vansel for those of you who don't know. It's about being in relationship with people. It's about being that vessel for God. We as a community need to respond to that. I think that one of the great joys that I have um, with my job is... is is I do get to see students answer that call. I do get to see students uh, live into who God has made them to be. I get to see them be a part of this great big plan that God has to unify and reconcile. I get to see this wonderful picture and image, like I did tonight, of deputies, when they find out where they're going, these huge smiles on their faces going, wow. I'm called to something bigger and I have no idea what it's about but I want to be a part of it. And that is the image that I want each of you to walk away from tonight when you're thinking about missions. There's an energy that comes from from, from following God and answering His call. It feels a heck of a lot better than ignoring it. Let us not be a community that is apathetic towards pursuing the good for other people. We have a ton of ways in this community for you to get involved. And I'll tell you this right now. This message, while I'm speaking to college students, I relate to it a lot. Because when I was sitting here where you are today, I may have went on a lot of mission trips, but I was just as easy to ignore something that was hanging from the ceiling. And I was just as easy to ignore the need locally in this community. There needs to be something within. And and I know that some of you are thinking, okay, that's great, Nolan, but how do I get over the hump? And I'll tell you exactly how I see it. You first have to believe that God believes in you. You first have to believe that God believes in you that you can do anything for his good of his kingdom if you put your trust in him. And that's one of the things I loved about my coach in wrestling, is that I knew that when he told me something, that I believed it. And that's the same thing that I love about God. He tells us in Scripture that he's going to be with us, that he believes us, believes in us, and he loves us. Jesus is an example of that trust that he has for us, to know that when he put Jesus here on earth to die for us, that we were not going to let that go in vain, that we were here to profess that and encourage people and support them and come along anybody, not just the people that are comfortable to come alongside. And so tonight, I want us to be a community that recognizes the need in this world. And to not become apathetic. But simply go. See what God has in store for you. Be open to the possibility. And don't shut the door. Because you never ever know. What God has in store for you. that's us pray. Um, God I thank you so much for. For your word. And. And for loving us first. I, I pray that, that tonight that we would be a community that responds to uh, what you call us to. Uh, which is to, to love others uh, and to love you. We pray that uh, that through this time uh, that you would continue to speak to us as to to where you're leading us in missions. And whether it is something as simple as praying uh, for a, a human trafficking victim. Or or whether it's going and serving uh this summer, uh, in some fashion. We pray that you would make that clear to us tonight. Uh, Make your voice heard and make your name known.